0: So when I was a teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old, I was uh, I was struggling with depression quite a lot. So I was very depressed. I got to a, a point where I was suicidal um, and it was it was, it was was a very tough part of my life. Where I am, I, I got to because of, like I wouldn't like to give away or lose any of the things that I've gotten up to now because even the negative experiences I've gotten, they, they've helped me in some way. I'm on I'm my best when I'm challenged. I'm on my best when things are hard. I'm on my best when... I have to work really really hard i don't like coasting i've never been a good coaster one of the sort of one of the problems with learning nlp at such a young age and learning personal development is you literally believe that you're capable of anything and capable of everything so you set yourself very high standards and so you you know you have certain images inside your head about the kinds of things you want to have done by this age by that age because i've always been setting goals to me, one of the biggest mistakes we make at the moment uh, in the in the current world is that we tend to be obsessed with certainty. We've a need to be right, and we've a need to be uh, better than everyone else. And we're convinced of our own point of view. And anyone who disagrees with us, not only are they wrong, but there's something wrong with them. And basically, to me, being anti-fragile is even more powerful than being resilient, because resilience is about bouncing back, whereas anti-fragility is about bouncing back better.
1: welcome to the Healing Pool podcast. I have with me Owen Fitzpatrick. Welcome, Owen. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself?
0: Of course. How are you doing, Gina? Uh, So my name is Owen Fitzpatrick. I'm a psychologist. Uh, I spend my life traveling the world, teaching people in different countries how to be able to change the way they communicate with themselves and also how they influence other people as well. So a lot of the work I do tends to be in the area of influence and storytelling and, and that kind of thing. Um, I've also written a bunch of books, um, and a number of those books have been with the co-creator of NLP, the, the genius Dr. Richard Bandler. And uh, and so I have a, a good background in, in NLP and, and also in terms of coaching as well. So that's a, a very brief um, uh, introduction as to who I am.
1: I know you've been in the personal development field for a long time. I'm curious, how did you get started in the personal development field?
0: Well, I actually got started when I was very young. So when I was a teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old, I was, uh, I was struggling with depression quite a lot. So I was very depressed. I got to a, a point where I was suicidal, um, and it was, it, was, it was a very tough part of my life. And around that time, as I was fighting through it, I came across hypnosis, And I started to study hypnosis. Um, I I managed to get accepted onto a course, a hypnotherapy course, which I had to, you know, hassle them continuously until they relented and let me do it. Because it was like, normally no one that age would be allowed on it, but I was like continuously hassling them. And so I started doing a therapy course when I was about 15 or so. I started it when I was 15. And uh, started going, attending the workshops, studying at home, all that, while I was still in school. And then, um, Richard Bandler did a, a talk, I believe, I think it was in, in Dublin that I first saw him with, with Paul McKenna, Michael Breen. And, uh, I, before that I'd already heard of Richard. So I'd, I'd, you know, read about him and read about NLP and I was very interested in NLP. But when I saw Richard, I was like hooked. And so I went over, started, um, you know, uh, saved up all the money to afford to come over did the NLP, started doing the NLP courses, uh, got lucky enough to assist on the different courses, you know, managed to just, you know, do all of that while at the same time I qualified as a hypnotherapist and also then started, you know, in university studying, you know, kind of um, human development and psychology and that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah, and then I I met um, up with uh, a friend of mine from the hypnosis course, hypnotherapy, Brian Colbert, Um, me and him, decided to start up the, because we would always helped each other out in terms of recommended people to each other as hypnotherapists. But we set up the Irish Institute of NLP. And so we started teaching courses in 2001. And, um, you know, we we started off that and then started doing that pretty much most of the time. And meanwhile, I'm still working as doing therapy with people part time, and I'm still doing some business work. And so that led us up for a good few years. Then I started traveling the world. I started writing books at Richard Bandler. Uh, I wrote more books. I got a TV show in Ireland. And then I did some corporate work. And then I uh, started getting a bit into acting. There's a lot of stuff going on. And as I was still doing trainings and doing international trainings, I was, you know, I was, I'm always experimenting. Um, never bored for too long, you know. You've got to keep yourself focused. Um, yeah, and now I live in the States and, uh, I, I just moved to Brooklyn like last year, but I'm still out of the country for a good bit of time because I'm still traveling, working with different companies around the world in, in that area. But in a nutshell, that's, that's, um, I've, I've got a good online presence that I've got at my own podcast, Change Your Minds with Owen Fitzpatrick, which is a lot of good episodes on that, but, um, uh, doing sort of online trainings and stuff, but I also do a lot of corporate work. So mainly leadership, influence, Uh, communication, storytelling, those kind of areas would be my main areas of expertise that I'd be spending a lot of time focused on. So um, there's obviously a big need for that. So I do a lot of speeches and talks and trainings in in those areas nowadays.
1: What would you do differently if you had the chance to change your life's path?
0: Ooh, okay. That's a good question. At At what point in time are we talking? Are we saying like you're back to 18 years old? Are we saying you're back to zero? Are we saying that you're, you know, 30 years old? Like I'm, I'm, I'm 40, 41 now. Where are we taught? Where where are you bringing me back to? And where's, where's the any, choice?
1: Any, any choice point that you feel would be a point where if you could change your life, you would have.
0: Well, I'm going to start by a caveat. So where I am, I got to because of like, I wouldn't like to give away or lose any of the things that I've gotten up to now because even the negative experiences I've gotten, um, they, they've they helped me in some way. And so if I knew back then what I know now, I still wouldn't like to give away some of the some of the best things that have happened to me as a result of some of the worst things and vice versa. So I, I can't say that I, will, I would change my life for sure. But, if I was to think differently there's a few things I would say one thing I've been thinking a lot on is I tend to be very um a very much a instinctive intuitive type person in in that i I tend to be very good in the moment and dealing with situations as they occur and that's meant i'm not as very i'm, I'm not as processed or system orientated as I possibly would like to be now in this area of life so if I was to do one thing back in the past that might have changed the trajectory, it would be to make sure that I organize systems that I become very disciplined about those processes and systems of how I work, as opposed to reacting or responding to things as they come in. Because especially if you work for yourself or you work in business with that, with, 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 with systems and processes, you can scale more easily and you can, you know, improve the quality of your life more easily. Whereas when you're constantly, you know, Doing things in the moment, based on your gut, based upon what you think and feel, in that in that in, in ad hoc or in that in that moment, then there's a, there's a limitation to how well you can do or how long that can last for. I think as well um, in terms of change, I probably would have gotten into the creative stuff that I'm I'm starting to do now earlier. So I would have gotten into acting. and certainly would have got into screenwriting uh, earlier because I I love like you know I I love. Uh, The screenwriting stuff, absolutely love it. So I would have definitely got into that earlier. Um, And you know, I I, it's it's really hard to say, but I think with with discipline and then being you know allowing myself the luxury of those creative stuff, um, I I think that would have benefited. And I probably would have also worked on certain areas of my life. You know, there's no matter how much you know, you know, like I would have like like you been at this a long time, and uh, I know pretty much the vast majority of what there is to know about potential about change about you know improving your life and that sort of stuff but just because you know it doesn't mean you always implement it in every area of your life so there's a few areas of my life that I would say you know I would have liked to look after myself better there and make sure that I work on that and make sure that I make changes in that area and then yeah that they'd be the main things you know I mean when people say I don't have any regrets I've have, I have regrets but even though I regret it, I'm not sure I'd do it differently because then I wouldn't have it wouldn't have led me to where I am right now. And I'm not saying where I am right now is perfect, but it's you know I am I'm, I'm still alive, so I'm doing something right, you know.
1: This is it. This is it. And hindsight is a great thing. So, what would most excite you about going into 2020, or what does excite you about going into 2020?
0: To me, it's not even about the year. It's about I do see, like I, I do like the idea of a fresh start, a new start, and and another opportunity to be able to do things. Now, these are arbitrary dates. Whenever we say like, oh, the new year, that's just an arbitrary date, but we like it. Just like people are more likely to start things, you know, the beginning of a week, the beginning of a month, and certainly the beginning of a year, they're more likely to start new routines, new habits, and that sort of stuff. The research says that, but for me, what I'm excited about it are all the challenges that I have to face. Like, you know, I I took, I took a bit of a risk, a big risk uh, when, when I had, you know, a steady sort of, I worked for myself, so it's never fully steady, but I had a steady sort of way of uh, living back home in in Ireland. Uh, But two or three years ago, I started to look at getting a green card for the States. And I went about that and managed to succeed in it. And it was a big gamble because I'd moved here and now I have to kind of not start from scratch, but it's, it's, it's a big test. And to me, I'm excited about that because I really feel that I'm, I'm on my best when I'm challenged. I'm on my best when things are hard. I'm on my best when I have to work really, really hard. I don't like coasting. I've never been a good coaster. So to me, I'm most excited in 2020 about how difficult things are right now. Um, and, and, and starting out and there's so many possibilities. So the, the hardest part will be narrowing that down and figuring out exactly how to do all the things that I want to do. Um, but I'm excited about the challenge. And also the, the work that I've been doing over the last while has been trying to figure out a way of scaling to make more of an impact to more people. So reaching out there and connecting with more people and make more of a difference. So that's all exciting. I mean, can't help, but do that. If you look at the way the world is and you look at the news you know, it's very hard. It's very easy to be terrified or depressed. So uh, I don't think about 2020 as like the world, you know, you look at climate change, you're like, Oh Jesus, what's happening. You look at, you know, the politics. And so instead I just go, right. My life, what are my challenges? You know, what have I to look forward to? What have I to be excited about? And part of that is also that the blessings you have, it's like, you know, the loved ones in your life, the people that are still there. Every day we're reminded with celebrity dying or someone that you know that dies about just how you know precious and fragile life is. So appreciating the moment and appreciate the friends you do have in your life as opposed to the people that you don't. That That's also... I'm not sure if it's exciting, but it's definitely something that I try to remind myself of.
1: How can you make more of what you have achieved so far?
0: One of the things that... What I've been doing over the last few years, I've been looking at the things I'm good at and the things that I'm bad at. And one of the sort of one of the problems with learning NLP at such a young age and learning personal development is you literally believe that you're capable of anything and capable of everything. So you set yourself very high standards, and so you you know you have certain images inside your head about the kinds of things you want to have done by this age, by that age, because I've always been setting goals. And so like any, any person or almost anyone I know, I'm not where I wanted to be or thought I would be at the certain age that I'm at. At the same time, I've, other, I've achieved other things that I didn't realize that I, I was going to achieve at that age. So life doesn't turn out the way you expect it to. But that being said, it's important to keep your eye on the prizes and where are you going? What are you doing? So the first thing is I look at what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing well. At. And then I ask myself the question, where do I want to get to? And then I go, based upon where I want to get to, based upon what I do well and what I don't do well, what do I need to do in order to, like, do I need to spend more time on certain things that I'm not good at? Or do I need to double down on what I am good at in order to get me to where it is that I need to get to? And so those are the kinds of things that that I do in my head uh, and that I do as an actual practice in order to be able to make progress. So when I say systems, for example, I know that uh, when it comes to doing taxes or collecting receipts or that's something that has always been, you know, for me, a a set of bad habits that I've had to make adjustments to. And now I'm, I won't say I'm on top of it, but I'm a lot better off. Um, and it definitely doesn't come naturally to me, but I'm a lot better off because I've created systems or natural processes of exactly what I do on a regular basis. It's the disciplines that you do every day that makes the difference. And that's a huge thing in a lot of areas. So we, we know, for example, that you can't just fucking eat terribly for 364 days and then eat kale and fucking you know Green Goblin juice for one day and then you know oh yeah now I'm I'm super I'm sorted you know that those 364 days are what matters so you need to make sure that you're disciplined to act the majority of the time uh, in the way that works and is most conducive towards you being as healthy as possible so to me I'm trying to establish or build disciplines where I'm applying. knowledge that i have to it because the problem isn't knowledge i've got whatever 25 years of of or more than that of me studying the areas that i'm studying almost 30 years of me reading books since i was a young teenager all the way through to now learning taking on all of this stuff but there's a difference between you know the wisdom that you have and the and the and the practical application of that wisdom in certain contexts and that's why often, I'm not sure about you, Gina, but sometimes I work with people and let's say I'm giving them suggestions or advice in one area of their life and my suggestions and advice are brilliant and they come back to me and they go, oh my God, that changed my life. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I should have fucking listened to myself as well. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's that kind of thing. You get to the point where you go, right, this is what I need to do. I need to be creating discipline, systems. So what I'm trying to do now when I was mentioning the scalability piece is in the stuff that I create, like this online stuff that I'll be releasing this year, even in the podcast, I'm trying to take the knowledge in my head and I'm trying to make it so that it is as practical and as applicable as possible. And then the next step is to get people into habits of applying this on a regular basis so that they're taking the wisdom that we know from neuroscience, from NLP, from coaching, from psychology, from positive psychology, from mindfulness, from all these different wonderful areas and we're distilling it down into, right, what are the insights? And how does that practical, practically work in, a, in, a real, in, in the real world? And how can we start to do this and schedule it in so it becomes part and parcel of the way in which we live, as opposed to a technique that we're motivated to do when we're in a course, but then we go all home after the course and we're like, oh, what was that again? Oh, I need to do the NLP shift, but I'm not in the mood. And, and that's, to me, the, 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 the real crux to what I'm trying to do so that we can make more of all of the great, wonderful tools out there created by great geniuses like Richard.
1: Do you know where you're going, and do you have a plan to get there?
0: I'm going to give you a contradictory answer, if that's okay. I was, uh, I was one of the quotes. I think I'm, I think I'm going to post it on Instagram uh, today. If anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, um, please do so. But uh, one of the quotes is by Aristotle, and it's about you know. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote itself. it, it, it is. Let me just uh, get it up. But one of the things that he talks about is how we look at wisdom and the biggest mistake, he goes, it is the mark of an educated man to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. So the ability to hold contradictory thoughts in your head at the same time, I think is actually quite useful a lot of times. And to me, one of the biggest mistakes we make at the moment uh, in the in the current world is that we tend to be obsessed with certainty. We have a need to be right, and we need to be uh, better than everyone else, and we're convinced of our own point of view, and anyone who disagrees with us, not only are they wrong, but there's something wrong with them. And so to me, that that's a, that's a, a toxic mindset that has that been developed a lot more over the last... In in, from my side, my point of view, I think it's something that has started to become a lot more pervasive uh, over the last few years, particularly over the last five or six years or so. And so, and and people give reasons. The echo chambers on Facebook—you only sort of see, or in Google, you only sort of see what you already are searching for. So, you confirmation bias, all that sort of stuff. About we look for evidence to prove our conclusions are true, and we dismiss evidence that contradicts it. So, I get that. But for me, the reason I'm s- s- saying all this is, I see where I'm going, and I have a plan to get there. But at the same time, I don't know where I'm going. So. Um, I think there's part of success in life is, you know, part of it is having a plan. But like, let's say you go online and you do one of these courses and it says, oh, if you if you do these six things, you'll become a guru of legendary brilliance. Uh, you just need to do these six things. Now you do the six things and you're not a guru of legendary brilliance. You're not making the same amount of money as the guy who sold you the course or the girl who sold you the course. The reason you're not is because they're making you a promise, but the reason they succeeded wasn't just the 70% that they taught you, there's a 30% that they can't teach you, which might be their network, which might be where they're located, which might be the, the, the look that they've had, you know, or the timing. Like there's a bunch of other factors that you, you can't always have that will guarantee that my plan will work. And so I don't know where I'm going. And so part of your job, I think, in life is to pivot to, to be able to focus on where do I want to go, to move forward towards that with a clever, well thought out strategic plan that gets you there. But the reason it's a strategy and not just a plan is because there has to be flexibility. You have to accept that it might not happen. Just like I'm not where I thought I'd be at 40, some things I am, some things I'm not. But I had to pivot along the way. And so the key is to make sure that you're enjoying the moment and enjoying the journey as you move towards that. And then you're able to pivot whenever different things crop up and so do i know where i'm going yes do i know where i'll be no do i know how to get to where i'm going yes do i know where i how i'll adjust that journey not yet no but i have to be prepared to do that um should i need to in that moment so i have a clear idea of where i want to be and what impact i want to make but also there's a thing of throwing as much shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and uh Making sure that I know generally what I want to do, the impact I want to make in the world. I know how much I want to be challenged and I know what, I, what kinds of stuff I like and what I don't, but you can't guarantee it. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to do shit you don't enjoy. Sometimes you've got to suck it up because that's part of the, part of the deal. Um, I don't believe in this. Just do what you want all the time. Sometimes you've got to do stuff you don't enjoy, but as long as there's a, an end point to that or a point past that. I hope that makes some sort of sense. I mean, you need, a, you need a reason to do it. If, if I'm doing stuff that I don't like, I need a reason why I'm doing it. And that's, that's why, you know, Simon Sinek stuff, start with why, you know, one of the reasons why it would be, was, was so powerful for people. I mean, it's obvious. It's not, a, it's not a complicated concept. You start with the idea of why do we do what we do? Then how do we do it? Then what do we do? And that's what he suggested. Great organizations and great inventors and stuff, they all have in common. But at a very simple level, when, when, you, when, you, when you're doing something you don't enjoy, that's when why is even more powerful. You know, a lot of times when I go into organizations, they're doing this, you know, whatever task they're doing, and I say, so what benefit does that bring? And, and, and they go, what do you mean benefit? And I go, when you do that, how does that impact the clients or how does it impact the people in the real world? And it does. I mean, it eventually does, but a lot of them don't think through that. And when, they don't, when you don't think through that, you're literally just doing something. You're just working and you're working to get paid. And that's not a strong enough reason. If you're doing something that you don't enjoy, it's important that you have a game plan. To me, at least, it's important that you have a game plan of you know why you're doing it because that can help you bounce bounce towards where you want to go.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. What would you tell listeners to help them live more resiliently?
0: So for me, I would actually tell listeners that it's not just about resilience. To, to, to me, it's also about a concept by a guy called, uh, well, uh, a guy called Taleb has written a number of great books, um, nicolas Taleb, and one of the main concepts that he wrote in one of his books, it's called anti-fragility. And basically, to me, being anti-fragile is even more powerful than being resilient, because resilience is about bouncing back, whereas anti-fragility is about bouncing back better. So what do we mean? So if I go to the gym and if I lift weights, um, I break down the muscles in my my arm. And what happens is those muscles grow back bigger and stronger as a result of being broken down. Those muscles are what we call anti-fragile. And so anti-fragility is the property of something that when you put it through adversity or when you put it through chaos or you hammer it or you do something to it, it actually becomes stronger in response to adversity. So, um, you know, in, in many ways, our human body is like that. You know, if, if, if you sit there and you don't do anything, you get what they call atrophy, atrophy. So what happens to your body if you don't move much is it actually starts to, you know, a lot of negative, uh, negative things happen to your body if you don't use it or if you're not doing anything with it. It's only by using it that it actually works. You exercise because it makes it better and that, uh, that kind of thing. Now, the idea is, is that we, by changing the way we think about events that happen to us, we can become more anti-fragile, and we can experience what the psychological researchers call called post-traumatic growth. So we've, most of us have heard of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, PTSD, and most of us have, 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 have know people or have experienced PTSD. And post-traumatic stress is whenever people have been through something traumatic and afterwards it has lots of negative consequences as a result of it. Well, post-traumatic growth is the idea that something traumatic or something that a person goes through can actually make them stronger and better as a result. And it's not a simple case that it's, you know, you just go, oh, it's going to make me stronger. You have to really do the work to, to, to get yourself to the mindset where you ask yourself the questions, how has this made me stronger? How am I better as a result of this? How much tougher am I uh, because I've gone through this? What are all the learnings and lessons that I can get from this horrible experience? Because the reality is this: bad shit is going to happen. You're going to have to deal with a lot of tough situations in life. Life is not easy. And Sometimes I see motivational speakers get up there and go, "Life is wonderful life can be amazing, but it is also it can be devastating as well and so what's important is that we look at the devastation, the trauma, the negative experience we have, and we do whatever we can to not see them as it doesn't matter and not see them as i'll get i'll be okay soon, but how can I be even better as a result of this? How can I use all of the experiences, even the messed up ones?" And how could I make them make me or help me develop and become stronger and better as a result of this? So to me, it's about how you see the negative events in your life and about the questions you ask about those negative events that helps you to start to build that state of resilience, which hopefully will develop into an anti-fragility so that whatever happens, you bounce back better and you find yourself able to deal with whatever comes your way, um, you know, moving forward, if that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely so it's resilience is is bouncing back from a trauma and staying there whereas anti-fragility is bouncing back to the point of resilience and then moving beyond
0: um, yeah that's how i like to think of it for sure
1: excellent it's been lovely having you on this podcast um, if people wanted to, if you want to say anything sure. else, to go. Well, ahead.
0: yeah. If if uh, if you're interested, please uh, check out uh, my podcast, Changing Minds Podcast with Owen Fitzpatrick. It's on iTunes and Spotify and all that. Um, and I also have my website's um, dot com. And I have uh, I'll probably by the time you hear this, it'll be changingmindsacademy.com, dot com, which will be my online um, you know uh, school. So um, again. I, best of luck to everyone listening. I hope that something I said made somewhat of a difference uh, to you. Uh, best of luck with everything in you. And a great talking to you as well, Gina. It's really a, a pleasure to talk to you after all these years. <laughs>